Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Singapore Homebrew on Money FM 89.3. Welcome back to Saturday Mornings on Money FM 89.3. We're very happy to have in the studio with us now Lawrence Lim, uh, the author of From Doing to Dreaming and also the managing director of that very same company. Those of you who may be familiar with his name might remember him uh, as the Singapore Armed Forces Chief of the Artillery. He did retire in 2016 to move on to become a certified coach, training facilitator, uh, among other things, and a CrossFit trainer too. Lawrence, great to have you in the studio. Welcome to Money FM. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, and you've been doing a lot of different things. You are a Renaissance man reinventing a life. What? Tell us about uh, your time after the military and, and what you've been working on, because it's a lot of things. Oh, I wanted to explore the private sector mm-hmm. and to do things I never did uh, after the military. Yeah. So the first thing I did was to pick up music. Seriously, I've been playing saxophone for about 15 years. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I, I went into it seriously yeah. and always wanted to learn the drums. Uh, <laughs> so I pick up drums and I pick up the bass guitar. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I've been doing that for the last five years. Wow. And it's been amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you've been doing that, you've been doing coaching, uh, you have a pub. I have a pub. <laughs> I run yeah. a few companies. Entrepreneur. I have a vending machine business in Vietnam. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Is that all? Is that all? <laughs> that keeps doing? me alive. I, I like I like interacting with people. Yeah, learning from them. I I think uh, that 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 uh, keeps me on my toes huh. to find out what's happening around the world, what people are thinking, and what excites them. Yeah. Well, you've put it all together in this book, from doing to dreaming, the four practices of leadership. Of course, you started off in the military, as you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Let's go step by step. Talk about the military first. What leadership lessons did you learn there? Well, it's a bit of uh, when when I retired, I have this nagging feeling that that uh, has been ironic. It's like I've learned so many things about leadership, uh, but nobody taught told me from day one what the journey would be like. Hmm. So I thought that uh, I better write this down so that I can inform those guys who are coming after me. If they knew what the journey would be like, then they can take active steps uh, to prepare themselves Yeah. so that they don't learn the mistakes that, uh, they, don't, they can learn from the mistakes that I did. What's the biggest lesson, Lawrence, that, that comes to mind right now I, that, that you learned during those days that would apply to people outside the military even? I think a lot of us as leaders, we think that uh, knowing what we do, being competent in what we do is good enough. And uh, that, I don't think, is good enough hmm. at all. It's necessary. It's a, but good, it's a good start, right? It's a good start, <laughs> but it's not sufficient to be a leader because uh, there's this part about leadership that's doing things. Hmm. There's also the other part about leadership that's uh, motivating people, inspiring people to accomplish things. Hmm. So I think the latter is uh, more difficult. And if you want to be a leader, you have to get into this serious business about uh, people. Hmm. And this is the part that uh, not many leaders are, are good at. Yeah, That's yeah. really refreshing to hear because, as you know, anecdotally, the average man on the street will say, ah, oh, in Singapore, they leave the military and then they get a nice job on this board <laughs> or that board. And are the leadership skills from the military transferable to companies, corporate worlds, whatever? What would you say to that? I think, I think the concepts are, are transferable, but how they do it, 
uh, is mm. dependent on the context. Mm-hmm. So in the military, people are more docile. They have uh, the values are more aligned. It's a culture, so things get done, and uh, things get done pretty fast. But in the private sector, it's a bit different. You, the people aspect uh, becomes more pronounced, and uh, this is the part where uh, we have to be more careful. That uh, because we are so accustomed uh, to what happens in the military for twenty over years, and then presto, you are in the private sector, and you think that yeah. outside is the same as yeah. <laughs> inside. Yeah. Inside, yeah, that's not. It's not the same. The people are completely different. The culture is completely different, hmm. and that's that is where you need to adapt, and you need to contextualize how you lead people uh, differently. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're talking to Lawrence Lim, the author of From Doing to Dreaming, uh, spent a life in the Singapore Armed Forces and now in more recent years since 2016. And his retirement from that is uh, working in the private sector. Lawrence, I'd, I'd like to just ask one more question about that, because Singapore is a conservative society and it would be argued, I think, effic- you know, effectively that within a conservative society, the military would be the most conservative part of a conservative society in terms of having processes and, and, and you know, a, a real um, specific way of going about things. And when you think about the, the world we're in today, the VUCA world, right, the volatile world we're in, how do we take those lessons of stability and structure and yet still be able to pivot like we had to do during the pandemic uh, or innovation, which is a, a huge topic and buzzword uh, in Singapore for many years now? How do we take conservative qualities and expand them into the real-life world? I think in the Singapore Armed Forces, at least experience that I had, we are always constantly challenged to do new things. And I think this is uh, the part of me that I'm very grateful for, Hmm. that I was always given new challenges, new things to do, and uh, we are always innovating, uh, despite this conventional thinking that, no. The military is very structured. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, I'm wrong. I'm wrong in my... <laughs> no, it's okay. But yeah. I, so I, I might I, be I, off base uh, I, or wrong in my assumption. Yeah, I think I think in a war fighting part, mm. in how we do things, uh, is very structured. But yeah. in terms of how we think about the future, okay. how we can improve, I think many people will be very surprised that actually... Okay. It's a very innovative organization. Mm. Yeah. Which is why if you read in many military journals, they will, they will put... The Singapore Armed Forces is one of the most modern, advanced, hmm. innovative armed forces. In what way? I'm genuinely curious to hear about this. In what way are, are, is the military innovative? In, in the way it adapts NS or the way it comes up with military strategies and concepts? What is it that's so innovative? I, I, I think the part about uh, using, employing people is very innovative as, uh, in the Singapore Armed Forces. Uh, I think you appreciate that Singapore, we have a very tight labour market. Yeah, and for many years, you know, uh, the Singapore forces have not grown beyond a certain size. In yep. fact, it's shrinking. But yet, we can still do the operations, uh, the contingencies in a recent COVID contingency, and uh, you can't help but wonder how can we sustain all these operations with very limited manpower. Hmm. And if you look at the type of systems that they have, I mean, I'm from the artillery, uh, from eight men. Operating a gun now is down to three men operating the platform called the HIMARS. Mm. Now that's innovation, mm. using <laughs> delivering more firepower but with less people from mm. eight to three. Okay, yeah. so uh, we weren't meaning to make this <laughs> talk about the SAF. No, but I'm but, very interested. Yeah, yeah. Now. I'm very interested. I mean, <laughs> but but the lessons that you're learning there, I think, are, are the ones that you've put into this book and put into your 
into your coaching, right? Exactly. Yeah. Which is which is why I find the the crossover so fascinating, yeah. right? And if I cannot, and you can refuse to answer this question because <laughs> it's just come to me. You talked about innovation. You talk about declining manpower in the military. You may know where I'm going with this. I have a 14 year old daughter. I actually believe she should do NS if it was possible. What do you think? I mean, it's always good that we encourage people who have the who willingness to serve to, to serve Singapore because they live on this island. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the Singapore officers will be very grateful uh, if people who live on this island see the need to want to contribute to the society at large. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something to be encouraged. Well, I should say to your daughter, pursue her dreams. Okay, you didn't, just do it. It, I, you didn't quite answer it, but I understand why. It was a good answer, though, it was wasn't it? was a very, very good answer. Uh, very, Lawrence, very good let's, answer. let's move back to, uh, to your company, From Doing to Dreaming, and the book, From Doing to Dreaming, Four right. Practices of Leadership. Uh, give us an overview. What are the four practices that you talk about in this book? The four practices are really about competency mm-hmm. as a foundation, uh, and then moving on to uh, building teams, which is a component about people, how to lead teams before moving out, uh, moving on to playing a role in an organization, which is uh, what I call the acting part, acting your role, and uh, before culminating in the final step, which is uh, being an inspiration to people. So I use the four Chinese characters, uh, to depict uh, these four practices. Mm-hmm. And let's talk first about competency. Right. What does that mean in, in the structure that you've defined? Right. Uh, competency is a foundation of every leader. I mean, if you don't know what you're doing, then you don't have the authority to lead at all. Yeah. So I think for leaders, uh, you need to understand that uh, you must walk the talk, you must be good at what you're doing before you can move to the next step, which is to grow teams. And uh, this is a part where you need to lead people to harness uh, the collective capabilities of your team. And from my observation, not many leaders uh, understand this, that they need to grow teams. They use teams, but they don't understand how to grow teams. And there's a distinct difference between using people and harnessing their collective capabilities. So how do you get from one to the other? Oh, there's a lot of uh, practice. How, how, there are tools that you can use, right? Uh, team building tools, how you communicate with team members, how you handle conflicts, how you negotiate between uh, different uh, positions. A lot of people say diversity is good, right? But if you can't harness the goodness of the diversity, uh, diversity can be divisive. And this is a part that a lot of leaders don't understand. They don't deploy tools or they don't understand what it takes uh, to rally people together in a team uh, towards a collective uh, objective. Hmm. Mm. And and Singapore has often had a very hierarchical system, right? right. Starts in the education uh, system and, and carries on. Are Singapore companies realizing this? You know, are, are the, the C-suite uh, or the MD level, are they understanding now that they have to work with, they have to a- approach their competency in a different way and they have to approach teams in a different way? Yeah. Is that message coming through? I think it's improving. Back 20 years ago, a lot of corporations, organizations, they think that they just send their people on causes. Yeah, top down. And then, boom, voila, you know. Right. They come back, they'll perform. But it doesn't happen quite like that because uh, competency must be grown in the context of the organization. Meaning, if somebody goes for training, he then comes back, he needs to perform in the context of the work. Mm-hmm. And this is where the leader comes in. He needs to help the employee or the person uh, perform after acquiring new skills, new knowledge. 
then the leader needs to help an employee perform in that role and needs to contextualize the learning experience into the applicative uh, in the current job. Yeah. So this is a part where, again, uh, many leaders don't understand. They think that they can outsource competency. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but but it can't be outsourced. Yeah. It's very refreshing because you seem to be looking at it the other way round to how I often hear it, which is employer says you do. And if you don't do it, it's somehow your fault. But you're seeing it the other way around. The the impetus or the onus is on the employer to make sure that the communication is correct, the instructions are correct, and it's a shared relationship. Would that be fair? Yes. And and that's the difference between a great organisation from, from an ordinary one, right? Because they really care deeply about their people and they're genuine about it. And this is how it manifests itself. They're interested in the development of the people. They take mm. active steps to do it. Mm. Every leader across the echelon understands this. Mm. And this is how I think employees feel engaged, mm. that uh, somebody's interested in my development, interested in me, mm. not just as a, as a digit, but as a person. Mm. <laughs> Will this help Singapore companies slow the, the brain drain because as you know you know right around this time of year after the bonuses come in everybody leaves everybody goes to a new company everybody looks for a raise or whatever you know having this mindset that you're talking about could this potentially uh, encourage more employees to stay put longer uh, never mind what we just saw through COVID uh, the quiet quitting and and people leaving because of things is this a key element to be, being an employer of choice? I, I think so. Because uh, when people feel that uh, they belong, they stay. Mm. And uh, if they understand where they're going, uh, they work with great people, they work with great teams, and uh, they are not there to play politics, but they are there to contribute to a mission of an uh, organisation that they love. I think they become energised. And this is where I think if you read many management books, they talk about uh, culture. Mm. And I think this is the positive culture. Mm. That, that will eventually manifest. And uh, people want to stay long in, in such a great organization. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So how, how do you say you do it across? Because you're involved in so many things. You've got your fingers in so <laughs> many pies. What is it about your particular leadership style that hopefully inspires, whether it's the person working in your pub or the person working, was it Vietnam, did you say? Vietnam, yes. Vietnam. Yes. What is it about you that, that you're transmitting to these, to these staff members? I'm a very people kind of person, yeah. So I think uh, I listen a lot. People open up to me and uh, they tell me about the problems. For me, I think that's a basic uh, foundation to know all your employees as a person and you can relate to them as a person, then work becomes easy mm. because you have the relationship. Yeah. So my approach has been always been to work on the relational aspect first. So I think that's my my strength, mm. my claim to fame. So I know all my employees uh, pretty well, mm. uh, down to their families. And when they talk to me or when I demand certain things, they know where I'm, co- where I'm coming from. Mm. And uh, they know... There's no question about your, uh, uh, where your, your vision is, right? Or your mission is, if yes. I can use a military term. <laughs> <laughs> they, they know where I'm coming from in, yeah. in the sense that they know I won't do, make them do frivolous things. Right. Because they know me as a person, mm. right? Mm. And I, and, and I think they know that uh, when I make certain decisions, it's for the good of everyone. So we spend less time arguing because uh, I think behind their minds, uh, they know what I stand for. And that's very important, right? Mm. Yeah. In, in times of criticality or, or you know, you're no time, you're under pressure, people just do it. You know, they do it first because they have this quiet confidence and understanding of uh, where 
you're leading them. Mm. Yeah. But that's more, listening to you now, that's more EQ than IQ. You seem to be a very gregarious character, which is fantastic, <laughs> which is what you want. But you don't often see that. How do we transfer that IQ into more EQ? Is it even possible? Oh, it's possible. It takes a lot of practice. You know, I, I know a lot of people say I'm an extrovert, but I will think that I'm an introvert. Really? <laughs> is that right? Really? I, I was very afraid of public speaking. You know, when I was young, I uh, deliberately challenged myself. I took classes, I consulted people, and uh, I worked on it. So it's something that you can work on, but uh, you've got to be brave about it. And a lot of people think IQ is everything. It's not everything. You know, I, I grew up with very smart people, smart people in my class, but uh, I think three-quarters of them don't become leaders. Mm. They're very smart, but they're smart in their own domain, but uh, they're not effective in inspiring people or yeah. making people work together. So this is the, the mojo, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> the mojo. 100%, man. Lawrence, we, we do have to leave it there, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, do take a look at this book, From Doing to Dreaming, The Four Practices of Leadership. The author is Lawrence Lim, also the MD of From Doing to Dreaming, and it is from doingtodreaming.com if they want to get in touch with you. Is that the best way for people to reach out yes, to you? Yes, sir. And I've put the link in our Facebook live chat as, long as, as well as details of the book. Great. Lawrence, thanks so much for being with us today. Fascinating discussion. Thank you, gentlemen. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.